Combo's Court, Combo Nation, we are here. What is up, everyone? Welcome to episode 307 of Combo's Court, and I am Combo. Don't forget to rate, review, and punch down on that subscribe button. If you're listening on the Apple Podcast app, follow Combo's Court. Leave a five-star rating and a friendly comment. Also, share this episode with a friend. Share it on social media, LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook. Share it on your Instagram stories and tag me at 1-2-Combo on Instagram. That's O-N-E-T-W-O-C-O-M-B-O. Today's show, NBA cap expert Eric Pincus of Bleach Report joins in to talk some NBA topics. A fantastic conversation with Eric. You can find Eric on Twitter at Eric Pincus. That's E-R-I-C-P-I-N-C-U-S. Intro music by Luca Beats. Let's get into it. Luca, don't do it to him. Eric Pincus, NBA cap expert. Welcome to Combo's Court. How are you feeling today? I'm not too bad. Thanks for having me on. Looking forward to the season that's ahead of us. Most definitely. Uh, you worked many years for Basketball Insider covering the NBA cap. Bleacher Report as well. From my understanding, you're making a shift away from media? Well, we'll see. Uh, I'm exploring some opportunities. I left Basketball Insiders uh, maybe less than two weeks ago. And I'm still with Bleacher and just sort of seeing some opportunities, perhaps with uh, some work I'm doing for some agents and possibly with a team. So I'm just sort of feeling out what what's out there. Most definitely. I know you've probably heard about the DeAndre Ayton situation. It seems that the contract negotiations have stalled. I don't know if the Suns are hesitating, but in the current market, DeAndre Ayton is a max player, right? I think a lot of times, People look at max players as only superstar players. I don't think that's really the case. When a bunch of teams will pay a player max money, that makes them a max player, in my opinion. Do you believe DeAndre Aiden is a max player? And don't you think this is a bad look for the Suns? There, there's a lot there. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> there's a lot of levels to what you're talking about. So on one hand, yeah, I mean, he is a max player based on the market of what other young players are getting. Uh, based on his performance to the NBA finals, uh, the way he played uh, against every, really every series. He stayed on the court, stayed out of foul trouble. Even in the finals, you look at how productive Giannis was with Aiden on the court versus off. And it, it's, it's very easy to make an argument that Aiden should get max and, and the max, I mean, we could debate whether he should get like a super max type deal where it's more uh, for his years of service. He should get, uh, 25% of the cap, which is, you know, just a little bit under 30 million, but there are some players who can jump up and get a little bit higher, get up to 30% of the cap. And that's usually by uh, winning league MVP defensive player of the year or all NBA for a second or third team. And, and he's not going to win NBA, NBA MVP this year. He might win defensive player of the year. I would say probably not, but it's, I mean, it's in the ballpark. I just, I would, so, but, all NBA third team, I guess it's possible. So the question is, is do the Suns give him a max contract or they give him a max that could go 
kind of above the max. And that's like what Michael Porter Jr. got. That's yeah. what uh, uh, Jamal Murray got when his time came. But Jamal didn't hit those triggers. So his money didn't jump up. And I think in the case and in the case of Michael Porter Jr., it's probably unlikely that he jumps up to that next bracket. So it's kind of a carrot, but one that the player never realizes. So I don't know if that's holding up the Suns that maybe they're asking for that extra carrot that he may never even get. But I, uh, the other side of the coin to your, your point is, you know, you kind of mentioned like it, it, what, what the market would bear, but the, the main issue, I think, and if you're the Suns, this is probably what they're looking at. There's not a lot of money next off season. There's just no one who can really pay him that money. And so mm. I think that's really driving the decision. So it's not as much what are other players getting that are similar to Aiden and what has he done? Is he worthy of this kind of money? It's more like they're looking at the market and saying, I, I don't think we need to pay him this because no one else can. So let's just play it out. And if it's, you know, whether it's a good look for the Suns or not is very subjective. I'd say to players who you know, they, the Suns don't have a reputation for being a team that's willing to spend. They have a, a, a cheap reputation. I'm not going to say that's fair. I'm not going to say it's accurate. I'm going to say that's a perception. That perception exists among yeah. other teams. It, it, it exists among players and agents. So if they're trying to buck that perception, this isn't doing that. But then if they can get eight and locked in next year at a better price and they can continue to win, they're doing, they've done a lot of good things the last few years, last two, three years, then maybe there's, maybe they're in the right in what they're doing. So I don't have an answer as to whether it's the right decision. I could just point out that there's a lot to this because it's a complex, certainly a complex topic. Yeah. I think many franchises in this situation, if you feel you're all in on a championship, you want to win a championship for the most part, they would max a player like Deandre and right, like right off the bat. Well, and yet they aren't, you know what I mean? Yeah, so, yeah. But like Denver is taking a different approach, right? Like Denver has the reputation where they're, this, this is among te other teams and other agents and et cetera, that they're willing to pay and not really nickel and dime the player. They'd rather do a little bit more than a little bit less. And maybe they lose a little flexibility along the way, but they have a, a healthier locker room. Morale, right? Uh, Morale. Right. And so are they right? Are the sons wrong? I, I don't, there's no right or wrong. It's just different ways of doing it. And so like there's the Daryl Morey tree. They're going to fight a little bit more over the little details. There's the Denver tree where they're going to be a little bit more generous. I think uh, maybe uh, they come from the Toronto tree, the Masai Ujiri, who is from, he, he was in Denver before he went to Toronto. I think they are a little bit more generous than less generous. Whereas, you know, like Daryl and some of the other, uh, GMs around the league are a little bit more spendthrift. So I'm not saying it's right or wrong. Everybody does it their own way. So you would think that they would do whatever they could to keep this core together. Uh, but if they feel like they can keep this core together anyway, if they just are patient and just get to keep it together with uh, you know, fewer tax problems down the road, maybe that's what they prefer. Yeah. So I've been high on MPJ for a long time now. You mentioned him. Were you surprised from him getting the max or is it what you expected? Well, it's it's because of my perception of how the Nuggets are. I expected them to work a deal because, like I said, they're they're more generous about they want to get their players locked in. Uh, what they, I mean, on one hand, that he got like that super. It's not quite called super max, but it's like a super max where he's getting the chance to make more. That surprised me a little bit, um, but at the same time, 
I don't really think he's going to qualify. So it's sort of like, you know, there, if he qualifies great, like if, if they have an all NBA first, second or third team player, or if they have an MVP or defensive player of the year, Michael Porter jr. Are they going to be upset? No, they're going to be happy. Right. So I don't think he'll reach those qualifications. The last year is um, only, I think 12 million guaranteed. And then it has different triggers that um, you know, different levels that will lock in different things. Uh, maybe that's there because, you know, on one hand, the nuggets do like to do incentives. And on the other hand, you know, it's like the market is pretty, there's just no money next year. So uh, maybe they had just a little bit of leverage. Maybe this is the nuggets way of, of nickel and diming, which is still really quite generous. Do you believe there's absolutely zero chance that Ben Simmons plays for the Sixers again? Mm. I mean, I'm not an absolutes kind of guy. Like I just, right. You know, like people talk and say a lot of things and a lot of times it's true. But until a deadline has passed, uh, it's just talk, right? Like I'm never going to play again with the Sixers. Isn't true until he's traded, right? I mean, even technically it's possible he could end up on the Sixers down the road. You never know. But, you know, like we've seen stranger things like Dwight Howard is a Laker, right? So Dwight Howard's been a Laker now his third time. And so when he left, it was a kind of an ugly little ending there and, and didn't end particularly well. Um, and he returned, but like speaking reasonably about Ben Simmons, I just don't, I don't think he's intending to show up. I think that see on one hand, he's already got a quarter of the money for this season. And so they, they can penalize him. Um, but they can't really dock the money from that $8 million because he already got it. But on the other hand, he was due about another $8 million uh, last week or at the beginning of this week uh, around the 1st of October. And so they didn't pay him his $8 million, which they are technically legally within the rules of the NBA and within his contract, they're supposed to pay. So he's probably done hundred thousand dollars worth of things that are worth penalties, you know, like missing practices, missing, I guess, missing preseason games um, on some level, like there are triggers that, you know, certain meetings that he, so let's, let's say that he's missed a hundred to $200,000 worth of basketball so far. They've penalized him $8 million. Wow. So that's outrageous from the point of view of the union, from the point of view of agents and from the point of view of the players, from the point of view of other teams, they don't like what's happening that a player who is on a max contract isn't honoring his contract. And Ben isn't honoring his contract either. He's not doing the right thing either by his contract. The Sixers aren't doing the right thing by the, by his contract. So what we have is a mess that's going to go to arbitration and then he'll be traded at some point perhaps. And I think there was a hope that because he still owed, you know, that 8 million would come back to him and that maybe the fines could get waived. And there might be a certain area that can get waived, but I think most of it, especially missed games, those are not going to get waived. That's just reality. He's not going to get, once he starts missing regular season games, um, that money's gone. And so, um, you know, I, I don't even think he's going to get much of it back. So he has to make a decision, like how much is it worthwhile to get what he wants? And from the point of view of the, of the Sixers, like you, you don't have to, you've already paid him $8 million. You're not going to pay him anymore. You're going to go to arbitration, whatever. Maybe you have to pay it down the road. But what's the rush now? Like you've already paid him eight million, so there's no real. Obviously, the rush of like getting it resolved and having your your roster in a better position, so you don't have to deal with this this crap. You know what I mean? Yeah. But the reality is, like, if you're going to get a much worse deal by doing something now, 
But, all the teams that are are negotiating, like they see how bad of a situation it is for the Sixers. Yeah. Right. Like they're not going to be like, oh, here, let me help you out of the situation. Like if the Sixers think they have a shot at Damian Lillard, right? Like I don't know if yeah. you do or don't. Right now you don't. Like the 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 Blazers think that they're going to be good this year. Most teams think they're going to be good this year because they they do what they do in the off season. Everyone's you know by and large, not everyone, but most people are like much happier about their team than they should be. And so when you get 10, 20 games in, now you're like, oh, wow, we're five and 15 or yeah. we're 15 and five or we're 10 right. and 10. You get 30 games in. Now we're five and 25 or seven and 23. Now, if you're the Blazers and you're five and 25, Dame's going to be miserable and he's going to be thinking about getting out of there. And maybe maybe he'll step up his. So the Sixers need another team to be desperate. And right now, no, no team is really desperate. Like they, a lot of teams would like to have. Ben Simmons, but everybody's tied at zero zero right now. And yeah. everybody's everybody's optimistic. Own- yeah. yeah. Well, the reality is, is like they shouldn't be. You know, some teams should be optimistic, but by and large, most teams are going to be uh in the middle, and some teams are going to be really crappy, and that's just how it is every year. It might be injuries, it might just be that the talent's not ready or a bad mix of players. So uh the Sixers need someone else to be desperate for this to resolve. And since they aren't paying out money every day to Ben Simmons. I don't think there's like this urgency for them to get anything done. I'm kind of curious, like what are some of the worst offers that the Sixers actually got? Like, I, w- I actually want to hear them. Yeah. I want to know, like, I hope Daryl Morey writes a tell all book one day so we can actually hear yeah. those offers. Well, I, I don't, I mean, I don't know about that. Uh, <laughs> like I, I can usually find out uh, within about a year. Well, when, when you talk to different people, you get an idea of what's going on, but usually like the, the full, I don't think you ever get the full truth. Okay. You get a partial truth. And I think more of those truths come with time where like, yeah, if you were to say to the Sixers right now, like, hey, this Ben Simmons thing, they'd be full of anxiety. And like the last thing on earth is they want to talk about that. This is like a major, major problem for them to resolve. Right. Yeah. But then they're going to have resolution. And then if they got in resolution, they're proud of and they're really happy with they may be bragging about it and willing to talk about it. Or if they feel like they got screwed, they'll be sensitive. Right. And then over a period of time, like a year passes, two years pass. If you're in this for the long game, which I've been doing this for a while, over time, people tend to open up a little bit more. You don't usually get like, it's bad form to talk about what another team has offered you. It's just, yeah, you, you're, you're not supposed to talk about that. What, what you Teams do talk about what they're hearing if you talk to teams, but you, they rarely talk about themselves. And they rarely, rarely talk about interactions that are like directly related to themselves. But they might talk about like, Hey, you know, like if you're not the Sixers, you're like, man, look at the Sixers. They're a mess. And you'll they'll talk about their situations like, yeah, I heard they want this, that and the other thing. But it's probably not the teams that are chasing him. And it's probably not and certainly not the Sixers. So we'll get some more facts, but they're never really facts because it's a game of poker and people lie all the time in this industry. So I don't I don't take anything truly as a fact unless I see it with my own eyes. And I know it's like it's like I can see a contract. That's a fact. But a negotiation where people were lying to each other, I don't know what's factual. It's funny. It's interesting, actually, that you mentioned the Blazers because that's the one team that I think makes sense where both teams could actually get better. It seems like a lot of teams – it seems like a lot of these scenarios is that the Sixers will get worse and the other team will get better. Yeah, I mean, it's it's subjective. Uh, Like, so, for instance, I've heard that, you know, Neil Olshay, who drafted both C.J. McCollum and Damian Lillard is really fond of both of them. And it's yeah. not just a simple, well, why don't they just trade CJ for Dame? Well, he really likes CJ and believes in CJ. And 
that puts He's, a lot of pressure. You mean trade CJ for Ben? Yeah, like if you yeah, did yeah. that path, right? And so if you did that, well, it's still a lot of pressure. Like that, but also the Sixers not, don't get better either, right? I mean, you can argue it. You can argue okay. CJ's a really, really, really good scorer. And yes. if you put him put him on the perimeter with with um with Embiid and, and all the and Tobias and the other pieces and and you have Danny Green who's a, a a really good defender and shooter and all the different you know thigh but maybe who knows what they're gonna have to part with to make something like that happen. But right. in theory, if you did something like that, um you could argue it for the Sixers, uh certainly better than not having Ben at all and having this drama. Um, yeah, and if true. you look at it from the Blazers point of view, like that puts a lot of pressure on Damian Lillard offensively. Now, now Ben can really help facilitate offense, but he's not a scorer. So like, this is a team that already is, they basically have two scorers and a bunch of role players. And yeah, they have a few, you know, I mean, a few other guys who can score like uh, Powell Powell's another scorer. So they added a third score, but like realistically it puts a lot of pressure on Dame. And now, if you're the Sixers, though, like, would you rather have Damian Lillard or CJ McCollum? And the answer is probably, well, we'd rather have Dame. Right. Right. Dame is, uh, you know, I like CJ a lot, but Dame's better. And so why would you settle for CJ if you think that they're going to fall apart and eventually offer the better player? So it's kind of a, a tug of war. You know, it's like you want a resolution. You want to solve it. The Blazers, they think they're going to be good and they're going to be a playoff team. And in, in about 20, 30 games, we'll find out if they're right. And they might be. But, you know, I don't know what their upside is, but they have to do enough to keep Damian Lillard happy. And it, it might not mean going after Ben Simmons, or it might. So I think that's why, this, that's why the Sixers are smart to wait, because, you know, there's no answer yet. And if there's no answer other than, like, role players and things, like you said, that don't make you better yet, then wait and see if there is something later. And, you know, at some point it's the trade deadline and, it, you know, there's a deadline and now you're facing, you know, Ben Simmons will have to make a decision at some point on what he wants to do. And can he afford to lose an entire season's worth of money? These are all competing interests. So we'll, we'll have to wait and see how this all shakes out. Most definitely let's shift to Brooklyn. Uh, Eric, where do you think this Kyrie situation is heading? Yeah. If you're asking me to get in the mind of Kyrie Irving, I can't help you. You know what I mean? He's, right. I, and I don't mean that as an insult. Like he, he is in a lot of ways, very brilliant, but he's also, yes. you know, there are things he does and says that I don't quite connect with. And so I respect his individuality. I respect his conviction. Uh, there are things that, you know, I don't agree with, you know, and I don't want to get into the politics of vac- vaccination and all that. Um, but it's a complicated situation if you're the Nets, because like the, the, the league can do a lot of things, but they can't override like local and federal laws, right? Like if the law of the land in this particular case, uh, you know, Brooklyn, or in the case of like Andrew Wiggins in, in, in San Francisco, if the law of that city or that state says that you need to do X, Y, and Z, the NBA can't say, no, uh, you know, it's okay. You can, you can do whatever you want. No, they have to obey the law. And so uh, like Andrew Wiggins had applied for a religious exemption uh, and we could debate whether that, you know, it, it doesn't matter. Like you could debate the, the, you know, the merits of that, but it doesn't matter because the NBA doesn't have the authority to say, we'll give you an exemption to play in an arena that is, you're not allowed to play in. It's not up to us whether you're allowed to play in that arena. The right. Nets are dealing with that same kind of issue that he can't practice with the team. He can't play at home games. He can go on the road with them. It's like, I don't know. I mean, uh, he's made a, t- he's 
He's set to earn a ton of money. He's due for an extension. He's someone, if you trade, you don't know what he's going to do. He might you know, want to retire. They'd rather not trade him because he's uh, the big part of what they've accomplished, what they're trying to do. They, they feel like they have the best team in the league, and yeah. you can argue they do. Right, if healthy with Kyrie, KD, right. and Harden, and a bunch of good role players, and not only that, they showed chemistry when they played together. So, yeah, the five minutes they played together—that's the thing, you know. And it's <laughs> like they—they they need to see what they have. And I'm not going to write them in as the favorite because there is this drama surrounding Kyrie, who last year took a few vacations in the middle of the season, right? So there are, like I said, yeah. I respect a lot of what he do, does and who he is, but there are other areas that I don't connect with. And the the Nets are in a world of hurt if he doesn't show for half the season. Uh, and then if they don't, you know, we don't know where the world is going as far as, you know, in theory, by uh, the time we get to playoffs, hopefully we'll be past whatever we're in right now, where things will be better, where these mandates won't be a problem. But my guess is, is that things are going to calm down a little bit, perhaps, but that the vaccine mandates might not go away because even if things get better, the the lawmakers aren't going to want to like, OK, well, let's loosen things up and cause another wave of 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 whatever variants or whatever so even right. if things calm down in society Kyrie not getting vaccinated might not solve you know that still might be an issue down the road even all the way to the finals and, you know it's like how do you how do you deal with that where you have a player by the way if if I don't know what it's if in if they face the Lakers like I think there's some new laws coming in Los Angeles that are just being enacted where like I don't know if visiting players are gonna the original rules were like the home players but now it looks like it's like right. visiting players. Which was an interesting rule, right? Like you, you don't allow your home players, but then you allow visiting. It was like kind of. Yeah, it's a little weird, but at least, yeah. you know, like they want people to tour. Like they want, you know, like people are going to come in as like artists. If you've got like, you know, I don't know who's touring, but like, you know, whatever, you know, Ariana Grande, you know, like if she wants to do a tour and I don't know her situation, but let's say she's not vaccinated and you want to bring in you could at least argue like her coming in and you don't want you know like maybe they show it's show business it's show business right and so like you yeah. follow some procedures where she has to be te- this is a theoretical nonsense argument but like right. she would have to be tested and so if you have players coming in in that kind of context as entertainers well fine they need to be fully tested and, and you have to follow certain procedures whereas the ones who are local who are there every single day or at least every single week constantly that's a different story and and so i i get it it's a little like well why would you do that but you know we have to understand like we're navigating a complex world but we're also navigating you know there's the health and safety but there's also commerce and how much do you say all right you know we're willing to lose x amount of dollars for pure safety versus like okay you know how much freedom economically or freedom you know socially should we have these are huge political debates in society that you know, the NBA is trying to just thread the needle of, of, you know, making it work. And in this case, it's not even them. It's the city. In this case, it was San Francisco with the Wiggins thing. Wiggins got, he was like, I'm not going to do it. I don't want to do it. I want to do it. He's like, they showed him how much he's going to lose. And he's like, all right, I'll do it. You know, you can't afford to lose that kind of money. Whereas Kyrie Irving, you know, I don't know if money motivates him or drives him the same way. You know, he's, he's, and he's made enough money in his life and his career. This might not be that important to him. And if not, then I don't know the solution. So um, you covered the Lakers and the Clippers for many years. I want to talk about the Clippers a little bit. What are some realistic expectations for them? Um, Kawhi, I know people say partial ACL. I'm recovering from an ACL. It's all the same thing because you have to get the full surgery and you're going to be out for a while. But the Clippers do have a lot of really good young players that are really promising. You know, Jason Preston, I really like. 
BJ Boston, I really like. Obviously, Trey Mann, we know what he could do, and I think he could take another leap. So what kind of season do you think this will be for the Clippers? Well, I've heard, you know, that while um, Kawhi is doing well, um, okay. that we should not expect him to play this year. I, I don't expect him to be back. Right. Um, it's just the nature of things. So, um, I mean, there's a guy who is, is not known for rushing back from injury. I mean, that's the whole thing right. with, uh, with Kawhi. But, um, you know, there's a lot of talent there. Um, they, they've done a really tremendous job building this team and i don't know if they have enough to uh be a contender this year um if i'm a clipper fan i'm not really focused on that however far they get whatever they do all good it's more about um developing the kids uh getting you know like terrence man what do you have in luke Kennard? uh there's some there's some talent on that roster i think they're going to compete night in night out they're going to be a good team. I don't think they're going to be a great, great team, uh, but I think they're going to be tough for anybody to, to every night. I think they're going to be a tough team to beat. And so you're going to have to bring your a game. You're going to have to really uh, compete at a high level to beat the Clippers. And that, and I think that says a lot, they were really good in the playoffs without Kawhi. Um, they're yeah. flawed a little bit, you know I mean? But every team's flawed a little bit. So uh, yeah. And really Paul George played great last season. Paul George played yeah. great. Yeah. He was great in the playoffs. I mean, he, there yeah. was one game where he missed a couple of key free throws, but he also scored like, I forget, was it was like six points in like 30 seconds Yeah, right before that, just to get them to the point where they had a chance to win. It, it's, you know, it's fans are tough. I get it. And, and he's, he's done a lot in his career, uh, but he's never gotten past a certain point. And and, t- you know, fans are going to kill kill you for it. It's just it's a yeah, but they're they're business. a little bit extra hard on Paul George, though. I don't know what it is. They're like to me, like Paul George is a player who really has no weaknesses, in my opinion. Uh, I mean, I'd say his handle is um, a little bit if, if he had a better handle, I think he could be able to drive against um multiple defenders more i think that he his hand i think that's if there's a weakness it's in his handle he's not i mean the guy the guy is six eight i mean he has a pretty good handle right for a six eight guy i'm just saying like (laughs) he doesn't he's he's a little bit it's a little bit um i'm trying to think what the comp is like i mean yeah he's just he's a little bit loose on his handle for a guy for for a primary scorer trying to drive through doubles and trying to drive Mm -hmm. through all the traffic i think that's where he gets beat a little bit um He's just probably like an A minus where others of like okay. you know, the LeBrons are an A, you know what I mean? Like okay. he's more of an A minus. And, uh, but as far as like, he's a, he's a really, really good shooter. Uh, he's a great yeah. finisher. He's a really good defender. He does Smart everything player that you would too. Want. Yeah. 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 I, I, yeah. I think really highly of him. I think if there's a flaw in his game, it's not even a flaw. It's like a, a half knock. It'd, it'd be the handle. All right. Just a couple more. Um, John wall. People are talking about him to the Clippers. Uh, that's one of the destinations I'm hearing. I have to ask you, is that contract untradeable in your opinion? No, I mean, no contract is, is really untradeable. Uh, okay. You look at John Wall, and so he's got similar kind of situation with the Sixers um, that Ben Simmons has, except it's not acrimonious, where basically he's yeah. not going to play, but it's an agreed-to thing where the team is like, all right, we'll, we'll try to trade you. He's still around the team. It's not like a bad divorce. It's more like – They're on good uh, terms. We're, we're, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's a much more positive situation. They also can afford to be patient with the challenges. Uh, a guy making 44 million 
is really hard to move in season without major salary going out because you have to match within a certain percentage. Uh, basically, it's 125%. You could pad your your outgoing salary. So you have to get to you know, well over 30 million in outgoing salary. So you mentioned the Clippers and you know they can get there, uh, but it's not easy, of course. But they have Eric Bledsoe at 18 million. And then it's just a question of who else. You've got Luke Kennard at 13, uh, Serge Ibaka at about 9.7. You got Zubots, who I think has been really good for them at, at about 10. Marcus Morris, about 15, 16 million. Uh, there are other pieces in there. I mean, we're assuming they're not trading Kawhi and, and Paul George, um, obviously. And Reggie Jackson was really good for them. But certainly, uh, in theory, if you want to throw them into that, that list, they can get there, whereas some teams don't even have, like if you were looking at the Lakers, not to say the Lakers need John Wall, right. uh, but if let's say they did. Uh, the only players they have making any real money are Westbrook, LeBron, and AD. The next guy after that is, is Taylor Horton Tucker making about $10 million, and then Nunn is $5 million. So if it was Horton Tucker and Nunn, that's $15 million. You're nowhere cl- close to the 30 something million you need to get John wall. So they're pretty much at like a non-starter there that. So when you say is, is this an impossible contract to move for a team like the Lakers? Yeah. And they're not going to move a Westbrook or a, a LeBron or an AD form. Whereas a team like the Clippers, probably why they're linked to, to the Rockets and John wall in rumors is because they can get there. There's just not a lot of teams that can really get there. I mean, obviously Ben Simmons can get there, uh, but that doesn't necessarily make a lot of sense for uh for, for the Sixers, I don't think, but right. Uh, Cause Paul George and Kawhi aren't going there. So, so, I mean, if you, if you, if you, if you can get, if you move Ben Simmons to get John wall, you're taking on an even bigger contract and you're getting a lesser player. And, you know, maybe Houston has enough young pieces to do something to offload, you know, John wall and, and convince the Sixers to make it. But, like if I'm the Rockets, like I'm really excited about seeing what all these young players do, like Jalen Green, uh, and yeah. uh, Sengun and Garuba and Christopher, and then they've got other guys like who are coming back. Like, well, first of all, they have Wood, who's still young, but they also have like uh, like Kenyon Martin's kid and yeah, Jay Sean Tate, and like it's just a bunch. Like they're doing what they're supposed to do. I don't know if adding uh, a Ben Simmons makes a lot of sense if it costs them any real young value yeah i guess uh, I he mean, i guess ben fits their timeline a little bit better than john wall but yeah you're right so it doesn't make sense. yeah i mean at least you could argue it makes sense because he is only like john uh right simmons is like 24 25 right something. a lot younger than wall yep yeah so yeah. uh but I, I don't know if i don't know the urgency for the rockets um but you know it's out there and, and we'll have to wait and see if it you know I, i'd like to see how healthy john wall is i thought he was really good when he was healthy last year and he was healthy for most of the year uh, I think they shut him down at some point, but I think that was a little bit more because they were, you know, tanking than it was that that yeah. he, that he wasn't healthy. Most definitely. All right, last thing, Eric. Um, you have a great understanding of the CBA. Anything in there that's really interesting that people might not know? I mean, that's that's pretty broad. I mean, I'll, I'll just say that uh, we're actually nearing the end of the collective bargaining agreement. It's not we're not quite there, but. Uh, they have until I think uh, December of next year. I think it is. Let me see. Okay. Yeah, December fifteenth of twenty twenty two, and so they have to decide whether they want it to end after not this season but the next season, mm. or do they want to let it stick for one more year? So it's what, that's a that's a joint decision. Uh, it's it's an either or. So the league okay. 
or the union, the MBPA, which is the National Basketball Players Association, right. or the NBA, they can either side can opt out, and so or oh, wow. uh, or or I think they have to actively opt out. So if they don't opt out, then the the document expires after the 23, 24 season. So uh, we have no more than three seasons ahead of us on the CBA, but we, we may only have two. We'll have to wait and see what happens now in the coming years, because uh, the NBA has been pretty healthy uh, despite the pandemic. Obviously they have a lot of money to make up, uh, but the question is, where do we go from here? And so uh, as far as the CBA itself, it's, it's a broad topic. It's, it's uh, a, a lot of fun to, to study. And uh, I do, do some tutoring. So if anybody's interested, reach out, especially for people trying to pass the agent's exam or are looking to get into the business or the media uh, and want to better understand this, just reach out. Where could they reach out? Uh, the best way is probably on Twitter at Eric Pincus, E-R-I-C-P-I-N-C-U-S. I'm on the various you know, social medias, you know, from Instagram to LinkedIn to you know, whatever, Facebook, all that. But the best way to actually reach me is just hit me up on Twitter. Uh, and I generally try to respond to people. It gets a little hairy, a little crazy when there's actual big transactions and there's too much for me to respond to. But day to day, it's usually pretty chill. So people ask me a question. I try to try to get. So it's at Eric Pincus, E-R-I-C-P-I-N-C-U-S. Most definitely. And we could still find your work on Bleacher Report, correct? Correct. Right. So I'm writing for Bleacher. Uh, my, I wrote for Basketball Insiders for a very long, long time. Uh, the pages, I think, are still up, but they're very quickly uh, more and more out of date as we speak, unfortunately. Uh, But if you have questions, just reach out and I'm happy to anyone listening has a question about contracts or anything like that uh, until I end up in the employee of of whatever's next. uh, I'm happy to talk. So, and and we'll see what happens, whatever, wherever I end up, if I stay in in a media job, I'll still be very friendly. And if I work for a team, I got to shut up and I can't help (laughs) as much. I don't know about the agent side and how helpful I'll be allowed to be, but we'll have to wait and see. Most definitely. All the best of luck wherever you end up. Thank you so much for taking the time, Eric. You're always welcome back on the show and talk soon. All right. Anytime. Thanks for having me. Big thanks to Eric for joining in. Big thanks to Convo Nation for tuning in. Everyone, punch down on that subscribe button if you haven't already. Also, share this episode with a friend. Share it on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn. Share it everywhere, man. And if you share it on your IG stories, tag me at 1-2-COMBO. That's O-N-E-T-W-O-C-O-M-B-O. If you're listening on the Apple Podcast app, press that follow button. Leave a five-star rating and a friendly comment. Be on the lookout for episode 308. Combo out.